Hello, 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 Social Work 6370 students, and welcome to a podcast lecture for your class. Uh, Today's topic is one that you will have hopefully read about if you are keeping up with the reading in your text in chapter 19. The topic is terminations. And what I want to do uh, this podcast lecture is not just, you know, summarize the reading for you because you're adults, you know how to read and understand what you read, I'm sure. You're in grad school. But what I want to do instead of that is supplement the reading that you've done and try to comment on little bits of it and give you, you know, bits of information that you will hopefully find interesting and useful and that you'll be able to refer to when we meet as a class on Tuesday. You can kind of come in having listened to this and you can say things and stuff about the things that I say here. So uh, let's get started. First thing I want to say about this podcast lecture is that I've tried to record it before today a couple of times actually. And when I was trying to record it before, I was trying to do this thing where I was kind of um, trying to hide something from you. What I was trying to hide from you was my dislike for this chapter. I do not like it. I don't hate it. I don't loathe it. There are some things that I do hate, some things that I do loathe. This chapter is not one of those things, but I do not like it. Um, I think that the way, one of the reasons I don't like it is that the topic of termination itself is a topic that I find just kind of, I, I don't know, gross, nasty. Uh, I don't like the word termination. I think it's a terrible word to use to describe the ending of therapy. Uh, you know, uh, what termination, if you're terminated, what's that? what does that mean? That's like you're terminated when a robot from the future comes back to kill you. You know, you've seen the Terminator movies, right? You get that? You have that association in your head? I have that association in my head. What else, what else does it mean? It's uh, when you get fired from a job, you're terminated. Uh, yet, it, it, the word termination has absolutely zero positive connotations for me, right? It's it's always associated with really nasty, negative, unpleasant things. And the idea of using that word, which is associated with such unpleasant things to, you know, signify the ending of a therapeutic process, which has hopefully been good, just seems dumb. I do not understand why people would want to use such a word to do it. And so when I see that the chapter was titled Termination, right away I kind of came to the chapter with like a chip on my shoulder. I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this. And sure enough, there was a lot of things in it that I didn't like. Uh, anyways, I tried to record this podcast lecture a couple of times already. And as I was recording it, I was trying to, I don't know, like, I don't even know why I was doing this exactly. It's kind of weird. I was trying to hide that, you know, like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll approach this chapter and I'll find something to like. And, and it didn't work. It just didn't work. And so today I'm not doing that. Today I'm just going to accept the fact that there's a lot of things in this chapter that I don't dig. There's a lot of judgments that I have. And rather than attempting to hide them from you, I'm just going to own them and, you know, kind of toss them out into the open so that you can see them for yourselves. You don't have to agree with my judgments at all, you know. So there might be some of you who are listening to this and you might think that I'm a crazy person or that I'm overly judgmental. And maybe I am, and that's okay if you think that, of course. And I just kind of wanted to say all that. Anyways, okay, so here we are. That's been my intro for the podcast lecture. Said some things, said some stuff. Are you ready? I hope you're ready. Because right now, we are about to play some introduction music. 
And when that introduction music kind of plays for a couple seconds and then comes to an end, we're going to jump into the text itself. I'm going to actually not not read a whole bunch of bits of this text out loud, but there's a, there's a couple, there's just really two snippets of text that I'm going to want to focus on. I'm going to read those to you. I'm going to say some things about them. I'm going to tell you the bits that I do agree with. I'm going to tell you about the bits that I don't agree with. And we'll see where that takes us. So, yeah, keep listening. So let's get started. To get started, I'm going to be referring to a little bit of text that you can find on page number 569 of your text. And here's the the thing I'm going to read. Several different evaluation methods can be used to determine client progress throughout the helping process and its conclusion. For example, standardized tests, direct observation, goal attainment scaling, and client self-reports through logs, journals, and surveys. The power of evaluation is strengthened when multiple sources of information are used. Whatever method is used, evaluations focus on three dimensions of service. One, outcomes. Two, process. And three, satisfaction. I'm going to read that one more time from the top here. Several different evaluation methods can be used to determine client progress throughout the helping process and its conclusion. For example, standardized tests, direct observation, goal attainment, scaling, and client self-reports through logs, journals, and surveys. The power of evaluation is strengthened when multiple sources of information are used. Whatever information, whatever method is used, evaluations focus on three dimensions of service, outcomes, process, and satisfaction. So what I want to start with here is the bits that I don't have a problem with, the bits that I even agree with in this little snippet of text. Uh, You don't know if something is going, whenever you're doing therapeutic work of any kind in any setting, whether you're in hospitals or schools or private practice or or you're working for anyone really, you know, you could be working anywhere. You're going to have people coming to you or being sent to you. They're probably going to need help with something and you're probably going to try to help them with the things that they need help with. You're going to do that by deploying things which in the profession of social work are called interventions, you know, ways of intervening in the various kind of like cycles that are going on in these people's lives, usually the problematic cycles. So for example, if somebody has a cycle of finding themselves in unsatisfying relationships or abusive relationships, you're going to want to intervene in that cycle. If somebody finds themselves in a cycle where they start something and they're really excited at the start of it and that excitement goes on for just a little bit and then it kind of starts to wane and then they just drop off and they don't finish anything, you're going to want to intervene in that cycle. If somebody has a cycle where they get bored and because they're bored, they decide to go out and get a bunch of illegal drugs and use them because using illegal drugs makes them have a good time, you're probably going to want to intervene in that process. And you're not going to know if your interventions 
work if they're successful or, or unsuccessful, effective or ineffective until after you do them. You cannot ever, 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 ever know that an intervention is going to work beforehand. Now, when we choose what interventions we're going to be deploying, of course, we we make educated guesses. We, or at least we try to. We try to go, okay, in this situation, I can think of this intervention. I have reasons to believe that this intervention will be, you know, somewhat successful. So I'll give it a shot and you'll, you'll shoot your intervention out into the world and hope, you know, that it, that it works, that it hits its target, that it has the effect that you want it to have. But you never, never know if it's going to. You can read lots of journals. You can talk to your supervisors and other more experienced people in the field about what they might do. Um, you can use your instincts if you think you have good instincts, but you never know if what you do is going to work until afterwards. You always got to look, after you do an intervention, you got to wait a little bit. You kind of got to fire it off and wait for it to, to land. And then you got to actually wait a little bit after that to see if it landed where you wanted it to land, if it sort of like hit its target. And after that has happened, you can look at it and go like, okay, that intervention worked or it didn't work. It was effective or it was ineffective. That's the process of evaluation. Uh, in social work, there's there's a style that, that gets taught in so many different schools, that, and it goes like this. There's a sort of like steps to the process. So the first step is engagement. You engage somebody. The second step is assessment. That's where you try to figure out maybe what might be going wrong in their life. The third step is intervention. Uh, and then the last step is evaluation, where you, you kind of go back and you evaluate whether or not your intervention was successful. And... You know, like I said, this is one of the things that I think is okay. This is fine. It's good to say that we aren't going to know if something worked until after we do it. Uh, there's actually a couple of really interesting words for this that I'll, I'll share with you real quick here. So Freud had a word for it in German. It's a really fun word to say, Nachtreglichkeit. I could spell it for you real quick here. It's N-A-C-H-T-R-A with an umlaut over it. G L I C H K. E-I-T. I'm not going to spell that again. Nachtreglichkeit. Uh, that was his word for afterwardness. And Freud used it to describe the fact that, you know, whenever he was working with patients, he would try interventions and he wouldn't know if the interventions worked until after he had tried them. You know, people, whenever you're in a conversation, if you're going to say something in a conversation, you don't know what the effect of what you say is going to be until after you say it. And the same thing applies to therapy. So that's what this bit of text I think is getting at is that we, we don't know if interventions are successful until one, after we do them two, after we do them, we probably want to check to see if they were effective. We want to see if they were successful or not. Uh, that is actually something else that I agree with that we should do that. I think that it's a really good idea to try to understand what was the effect of the intervention that I just deployed. Doing that will help you decide if you want to use that intervention again or if you don't want to use that intervention again, uh, maybe you want to use it, but you want to use it in a slightly different way. Maybe you want to abandon it and never use it again with this particular person, so on and so forth. And evaluation is the process by which you figure that out. So that's the part that I agree with. Now, let me talk about the part that I kind of have a problem with here. Uh, the part that I have a problem with is that I think today, right here, right now, in the time and place that you and me are both living in, there is a little bit too much of an investment 
in the process of evaluation. And what I, I want to be very clear about this. Too much of an investment. I don't think that we should invest zero in evaluation. That would be dumb. I think that would be a really bad plan. But I think what we're doing is we're investing too much in it right now. We're being a little bit too concerned with the process of evaluation and what the process of evaluation reveals. Um, and this happens at so many different levels. I, I know that you know every year at the university where you go and where I teach, I do so, like an annual performance review where you know the person who's higher than me on the org chart looks at a bunch of different things. And then we have it sit down, we have a conversation where I, I tell them that, well, I have to write this thing out beforehand and they have to read it. And we, we have this conversation about how I'm doing, right? That, that's a form of evaluation. And I, I know that it's something that sometimes I get worked up about because evaluation is so important, you know, in, in our society, in our culture. But I don't think I'm the only one. I think a lot of people get really worked up about performance evaluations at work. Uh, and I, I bring that up because I think that a lot of times patients, clients, whatever you want to call them, they can get really worked up about having sort of like their performance and therapy evaluated by a professional. And, you know, the, the things that this text kind of focuses on, all these different ways that you can, can attempt to measure your outcomes, they're not bad things. They're okay. It's not a bad idea to use them. Uh, what were some of the things that they talked about? They said standardized tests, direct observation, goal attainment, scaling, client self-reports through logs, journals, and surveys. All of that stuff is fine, provided that you don't get too caught up in them. And to specifically, there's, there's one way that I think mental health people get a little bit too caught up in evaluation and evaluation of effectiveness that actually ends up making their jobs a lot more difficult than they need to be. And I'm going to try to explain that to you now. So when somebody comes in to a therapeutic encounter, they're going to have problems usually. Like I said in previous podcast lectures, I have never, ever, ever had anybody come knock on my door and say, hey, you're a therapist, right? You're a mental health person. Great. I just have a wonderful life. Everything is going so great. And I just wanted to sit down and tell somebody about it and pay them for the privilege. Would you mind being that person for me? That's never happened. I suspect it never will happen. Instead, what happens is people come to me and they say, hey, I'm having problems in my life. Can I talk to you about the problems that I'm having? And that's what we do. I, I talk with people. I listen to people and sometimes say things back to them as they tell me about the problems they're having in their life. And a lot of the times, the people who come to me have serious problems. Problems that are, I mean, sometimes people have like kind of low level problems. And other times people have very high level problems. And what I've discovered is that it is very, very rare that there is a time where I'm able to work through a problem with somebody in a very linear way where the problem becomes each session gradually less of a problem. It doesn't. So if you were to imagine it like as a bar graph where the problem is like really high and then it slopes down to zero, I, I don't ever have that happen. Instead, if you were to take a look at the therapy that I do, I think you'd see a, a kind of like zigzaggy line where things get easier, then they get harder again then they get a little bit easier, then they get harder again, then they get a little bit easier and a little bit easier and a little bit easier, then really harder. And, and it goes up and down like that. So why is that? Well, the reason is that when people are having problems and they attempt to address the problems that they're having, it's not easy. Let me give you an example here. 
Let's say that somebody has a substance abuse problem and let's say that they try to stop using drugs. What do you think is going to start happening when they stop using drugs? They're going to start feeling withdrawal, perhaps. Um, they're going to get cranky. They're going to want to use drugs, so on and so forth. Their, their mental state is actually going, their anxiety, their, their volatility might actually go up as a result of them kind of not using the drugs that they have been using for however long they've been using them. That's, and if I'm use, if I'm a kind of like doing too much evaluation, when I see that the patient's anxiety is going up or that their volatility is going up, I might assume that that's because I'm doing a bad thing, but it's not. It's not because I'm doing a bad thing. A lot of times a, per, a patient's increased anxiety, increased frustration, increased volatility is just part of the process. And it doesn't mean that you're doing bad work at all. In fact, it means that you might be doing really good work if you're working on certain problems. Another example, let's say that somebody is in an abusive relationship and they want to leave it, but leaving it is going to be hard because they don't have a place to go to and they might not have all the resources they need. So if they decide to get out of that relationship, their anxiety level is probably going to shoot through the roof. They're going to be really, really anxious. And if you're trying to do things like measure their anxiety level and you use that as like an outcome measure, you're going to think you're doing a bad job, but you're not doing a bad job. That's just kind of part of the process. Uh, when you work with people who are grieving, you know, uh, grief is not a linear process. People have good days and bad days. And sometimes they have good weeks and bad weeks or good months and bad months. And you're going to see that zigzagginess. And so this is, this is what I say when I, I say that we're overly invested in evaluation. What I mean is that I think a lot of times what people want and what they expect is to have somebody come in with a problem and every single session that they have with that person, see that problem become slightly less of a problem, see the anxiety levels decrease, 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 decrease every single session, see the depression levels decrease, 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 decrease every session, see the pro-social activities that a person engages in, engages in increase, increase, increase every session. And I think that that's unrealistic. I just don't think that happens because people are complex, very complicated, and life is hard and difficult and full of so many unexpected things that you just don't see that. Instead, you see the zigzag. Now, do you want... Uh, do you want the, the zigzag to be super up and super down for a really long period of time? No, of course you don't want that. That would not work. If what you might want to see over time is a gradual decrease in the highs and lows and kind of more of a, uh, the emergence of like a baseline, that would be good. But that's, and that's a much more realistic goal, I think for evaluation than a lot of the things that I, I believe that people are expecting to see when they engage in evaluation. Uh, another thing that I want to say about this that I think is important, this will be my last point for this section of the podcast lecture, is that a lot of times when people are engaging in evaluation of the work that they do, what I think they're doing is they're trying to prove to somebody or something else that they have done a good job. And I think that this is playing defense a lot of times. So let me be a little bit more specific. I think that a lot of times people will want to prove to a supervisor or an insurance company or a hospital or somebody else or something else that has a lot more money and power than you do that you're doing a good job. And when you want to do that, it's, it's going into a situation wanting to please somebody else. And I don't think that that's a good mindset to be in. I think a better mindset to be in is kind of saying like, okay, I'm going to do the best work I can with this person. Some things I do will work. Some things I do will definitely not work. 
and I'll, you know, keep track of what works and what doesn't work to the best of my ability. And if somebody wants to talk to me about it, I'll talk to them about it. And if they say, well, why did you do this instead of that? You'll be like, because that's, that's what I wanted to do at that time. That seemed like a good idea at the moment. It, it, essentially, what I think we need to do is look at evaluation as something that is not like something that we do to prevent ourselves from getting in trouble, which is what I think a ton of people do. I used to do that. I think a lot of people use evaluation as a way to prove that they've done the right thing and that no one can be mad at them. If you're trying to do that, I think you're doing it wrong. And instead, what I think you should do is just kind of like do evaluation, not for somebody else, not to prove to somebody else that you're doing a good job, but do it for yourself so that you can have information about the work that you're doing and if it's working, if it's not working. Because if it is working, wonderful, keep doing it. If it's not working, okay, great. You probably need to make some changes. And that's good for you to know. And if you want to share that information with somebody else or somebody else asks you for that and they, they're entitled to that information, great, go ahead and share it with them. But it's got to be information for you, not information that you're col- collecting and stockpiling so that you can show it to other more powerful people and things and say, look at what a good job I'm doing. That's actually not a good mindset to be engaged in. Um, what does all this have to do with termination? I feel like I've talked a lot about evaluation. Well, evaluation happens usually at termination. And, and that's when people kind of put things forward. You're going to have lots of uh, therapeutic encounters that start and come to an end. And when they come to an end, you're probably going to want to evaluate them. You might want to share your evaluations with other people. Some of your evaluations are going to reveal that you did some good things, some smart things, some effective things. Other evaluations are going to reveal that you've done some dumb things, some ill-advised things, some things that didn't work. That's okay. Evaluating yourself and coming to know those things is fine. It's good. And I guess I just think that right now, because of the way that we think of evaluation, no one wants to use evaluation to find their mistakes. Everybody wants to use evaluation to showcase their successes. And if we're using it that way at the end of therapeutic encounters, we're just not getting the whole story. And I think that that's bad. All right. That was a a long diatribe. I had notes in front of me when I was doing that. And it's weird. I just started talking and I think I read just a little bit of my notes and then I did all of that off the cuff. So if that was unorganized and weird, I apologize. Um, let's do a bit of transition here. Let's play some music. We're going to come back, do one more section, and then we will be wrapping up the podcast lecture for today. So I'm going to read another bit of the text to you here. This comes from page number 572. Termination refers to the process of formally ending the individual social worker-client relationship. And then there's a bit more text I'm going to kind of cut out here and cut to a different part. Termination can occur when goals are met. I want to harp on this for a second here because I, I think that this is usually the way that it works. I cannot tell you how many times I have been working someplace and I've heard other people say this or I've been supervising people and I've heard people say this 
Um, but I'll, I'll be talking with people and they'll, they'll tell me that they're going to end a section of therapy that they're doing with somebody. And I'll ask them, okay, why are you ending it? Why are you put, why are you putting a stop to it? And they will tell me, well, we've, we've made a lot of progress and now nothing is happening. And so I feel like I've met the goal or I've met the objective or I've done the thing. And so now it's time to stop. And what I think is really bad about that is that, man, it's just so hard for me to, to, to be critical of this and not, not just like kind of like rant and rave about it, but I'm going to try here. Let me give you a metaphor. If you've ever had to, like when I have um, seasonal allergies and sometimes I get sinus infections and one of the things that happens when you get a sinus infection is you get prescribed antibiotics. If you get any infection, you're prescribed antibiotics, right? When you have an infection, you feel like garbage juice. You feel terrible. And you go to the doctor and you're like, oh, doctor, I feel terrible. And doctor does whatever they do. And they say, oh, you have an infection. Here, I'm going to prescribe you some antibiotics. And then you go home, you get your prescription filled, you start taking the antibiotics. And what I've discovered is a lot of times you'll have antibiotics for like 10 days or something. And when I start taking antibiotics, I might feel better, like start to feel good after two days or three days of antibiotics. And I think a lot of people have that effect. Here's the thing though, you got, you know, however many days remaining, let's just say that you feel better after two days. Well, if it's 10 days and you feel better after two days, you have eight days of antibiotics remaining. So after two days, if feeling better is the goal or the objective, you've met it after two days of antibiotics, you should probably stop taking the antibiotics, right? No, absolutely not. Terrible idea really bad idea. And because if you do that, you know what happens is that the, I mean, the antibiotics have started to get the infection under control and you feel better, but there's still an infection in you. And if you stop taking the antibiotics, the infection will just come back even stronger than it was before. That's why you got to take all 10 days of the antibiotics to really kill the infection, to really get rid of it. And that might seem like overkill because you felt better after two days, but that's the way that you got to do it. I'm going to argue here that therapy is much the same way and that one of the things that I'm seeing is that people are ending therapy or terminating therapy, that word that I hate, um, too soon for tons of different, like they come to therapy, they work on something, they get a little bit of insight, they start to realize some things, they start to feel a little bit better, whatever, and then they stop it. But that's that's not going to be enough. Real, if people have real problems that have developed over a long period of time, it's going to take working on them for a long period of time for the person to really probably kind of solve them, fix them, cure them, whatever you want to say. If somebody is 15 years old and for the past you know five years of their life, they've been gradually becoming more and more difficult, you're probably not going to solve whatever the problems are in like three months of therapy. It's going to take a longer time. If somebody has grief because somebody who they've been with for, you know, five years, 10 years breaks up with them or dies or something like that. They're not going to get over it really quickly. It's, it's going to take time. And if we, we end therapy when we start to feel better, I think what ends up happening is it's like stopping taking antibiotics when you start, when you start to feel better, even though the infection is still raging inside your body, it's just a really bad plan. And I don't think that that's really good. So what am I suggesting instead of that? What I would suggest is that good therapy 
for, for many, many things, for serious problems. I'm not talking about like small problems. I'm talking about serious problems. It's just go into it knowing it's going to take a while and have that be your mindset. Understand that there's going to be a period where the person comes in and they talk and they talk and they talk and you feel like you're making progress, 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 and then you're going to hit a stall. You're going to plateau. You're going to you're going to stop feeling as though you're you're making progress. You can end therapy at that point, but I think that's generally a bad idea. And instead, what's a good idea is to keep going, keep going, keep going, because eventually there'll be a period where that plateau comes to an end and either the old problem comes back, it reasserts itself again, or some new problem, which is related to the original problem, comes up and you can start working on that one. So that's kind of what, what I think there. I could say more about this, but I'm fairly sure that you all get the point uh, about this. Uh, but let me just sum it up very, very quickly here. Termination is a word I don't like. I think it's a terrible word with negative connotations. Therefore, instead, I tend to say things like, let's put an end to therapy or, or let's end this episode of therapy. Uh, let's stop doing this for a little bit. That's okay, but you probably want to not stop at the very first sign of things getting better. You probably want things to be better for a little bit and make sure that the old problem doesn't come back or that some new problem doesn't assert itself before you end things. So that was the point I'm trying to make here. Now, here's the last thing I'm going to say, and then we'll wrap up this podcast lecture for this week. I've, I've said many times now, but I hate the word termination. Uh, so, you know, therapy does come to an end. There's, there's points where you're going to be working with a, a person, a couple, a family, a group, whatever. And, it, and t- the time is going to come where it is time to end. It's probably not as soon as most people think it is, but that time does come. It will come. When it does come, how do you do this? Well, I find that I, I'm, I'm really lucky. I mean, I, I work in, as my own boss now, so I can, I can do this. But what I do usually is I wait for the patient to say that they kind of want to slow things down. And if I agree that it's time to slow things down because I think enough time has gone by, I'll be like, okay, cool. What were you thinking? It's sometimes people want to go from like every week to every two weeks or, or whatever. Sometimes they want to go to like once a month. And if I can make that work with my schedule, we can do it. But a lot of times I can't make that work with my schedule. It just won't work for me. And so what I tend to say to people is that I think that therapy is kind of like a TV series, right? You come into therapy and for one season, there's like one problem and the entire season of that TV show, you're the, the person is like working on this problem. And then, you know, you kind of come to an end of the season and that problem has been addressed or dealt with or whatever, and you take a break. And it, I tell the patient, if you want to come back and start like kind of renew this for a second, third, fourth season, you can do that. You just let me know. That's your call. We'll do that. I think that therapy is very episodic. I think that you go through periods where you're doing it and probably periods where you're not doing it. And I think that that's okay but I always want the patient to feel like they have the ability to influence that decision and to decide what it is that they want to do. You know, I might, I don't want them to outsource that, that control to me or to something else like an insurance company that says you can only have five sessions. I want them to decide that. That's what I really want to have happen. Now it's not always easy to, to do that. Sometimes it's actually hard to give the patient that kind of power and control over their therapy. Um, but I do the best that I can to extend that power and control to the patient in as many different ways as I can all the time. Uh, that's kind of what I go for. Okay, so that's what I've had to say here. I am going to stop talking now. Thank you very much for taking the time to download this, listen to it. I hope that you'll come to class with some questions, comments, answers, criticisms, concerns. 
about the different things in, that I've said here today. I look forward to seeing you all. Take care. Make glorious mistakes. Don't let the man keep you down. Damn the demand. Save the desire. All that stuff. Talk to you soon.